You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Steve McCoy from 360 Church in Sarasota, Florida. We hope this message inspires you to press beyond ordinary. A few weeks ago, uh, and it, the, the focus of this conversation, this collection is on the good fight, fighting the good fight. And again, just for the sake of those of you that are coming into this conversation, there's a lot of tension in our world. We know that there's always tension in families. There's tension at work. There's tension in neighborhoods. There's tension in associations. There's tension in politics. There's tension all over the world. And yet those, those moments of tension sometimes are just such a significant waste of time, such a significant waste of energy and not why God put us on earth. When you think about, sometimes I just try to imagine how much we are spending worldwide to protect ourselves with guns and tanks and bombs. I mean, it's just enormous, all because of the tension that is global. At the end of his life, the Apostle Paul, who was one of the men that wrote a good chunk of the New Testament that God wrote through him, I should say, to be more accurate, And the last thing that he penned to his young protege, Timothy, he said, I have fought the good fight as an assessment of his life. I have run the race. I have kept the faith, but I have fought the good fight. And the focus that we're on now is to say, what are the some of the things that we fight that are good fights that are worthy of fighting for? Today, we are going to fight against the things that stick us, that that keep us stuck, fighting not to stay in the same place. Our One of our primary missions as Christ followers is to become more and more like Christ. In fact, the book of Romans says that we are predestined, this pre-planned to be conformed into the image of Christ. That means we can't stay at at step A. We can't even stay at step D or F. God is always progressing us. That's why the, the big word is progressive sanctification, which means that we are becoming more like him, more holy, more pure, more chiseled at a progressive level. Some of those changes happen instantly. Some of them don't. In fact, I would venture to say that many of them don't, that it is a lifelong process, but there is a key to not being stuck, and we see that as we open the Bible today. We have taken the story of Joseph in the Old Testament, and the point that, we, that the Bible even makes is that the Old Testament is often giving us pictures of what truth is because it helps us as human beings to see illustrations and not just hear words. When we look at the life of Joseph, as we pointed out in the past weeks, we see that Joseph mirrors a lot or is a picture, some people would say a type of Jesus Christ. He was sold by his own, he was loved by the father, sold by his own brothers. He was uh, 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 mistreated. He was put in the ground, as we're going to see today, just like Christ. And as we sang today, he was released from being out uh, uh, underground. And then he was put in a position where he could rule over many, just like Christ. Joseph started this ministry at 30 years old, just like Christ. Many, many similarities. If you, whatever level you buy into that, you can't deny 
that Joseph is sending a message of the Christ that was to come and who has now come. And so when we look at today's story, we see the power of the resurrection. It is fascinating. So we jump in and, uh, and, and start this story of Joseph and the way he got stuck. You know, none of us like to be stuck. I hate to be stuck in traffic. I was talking to someone on the trip coming back. They flew into Orlando. I'm like, oh, you must have just zipped over here since it was so late at night. I don't know that there is a time on I-4 anymore where you're not stuck, and I hate it. I would rather take a longer route. Sometimes I'm going on I-4. I get off of I-4, even though my GPS says, you know, this is going to take 48 minutes longer. I don't care. At least I'm moving <laughs> just to be sitting there. To be stuck in an elevator is terrifying. I saw some photos. I'm like, Here, here's, a, here's a few things that, that are like, I think that's a cat. Uh, at least I hope it is. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, here's here's one that's uh, here's one. How about that? That is not a good stock right there. Nope. And uh, here's one for you. How about this one? That, yep. Yeah, that's how it feels sometimes. And uh, a couple more. Uh, here's one. I, a, a flood? I, I'm trying to like, how that happen? I don't know. And finally, uh, on your big date out and the limo. That uh, it just gets stuck. Joseph, without going into the story, was misjudged. He was accused falsely, and he was put into prison. I want you to look at the description. It's fascinating when we look at Genesis chapter 39, and we're in verse 20. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison. The place where the king's prisoners, keyword, were confined we're stuck. There is not an out when it comes to prison. Now, what's fascinating about this, when you look at the word prison, some translations of the Bible, they, they're more literate in the way they, even though we may not understand the way they translate, they will put roundhouse. Because the prisons in Joseph's day were often round. They had no corners, and they were underground, and they had a hole cut at ground level so that at least there could be some air and some light. We can't imagine the atrocity of what that was like. But one thing we do know, it was dark, it was smelly, and there was no way out. And when he's in this, this roundhouse, it's like when you're in prison, you're encircled by the walls. You're confined. When we look at this picture in, in terms of Christ, Psalm 22 is a, a prophecy of what Christ would experience on the cross and what he would actually say on the cross. It's fascinating. In Psalm 22, this is what we read. Jesus, speaking of himself, dogs have surrounded me confine me just like the walls of that prison had encircled that circular prison of Joseph surrounded him dogs have surrounded me a band of evil men have encircled me they have pierced my hands and my feet here it is again many bulls surround me strong bulls of Bashan encircle me look how many times he says it surrounded me encircled me surrounded me, encircled me. Why? Because when you're confined, 
It is the surrounding, the, the encircling, the confinement that makes us feel so stuck. What are we talking about this morning? We're not just going to look at the historic confinement of Christ or Joseph, but we're looking at the confinement that each of us have, meaning there are things that happen in our life that want to stick us at that place, that you are always this, you are always timid, you will never share your faith, you will never share your testimony, you will never share your story. You are overbearing, you talk too much, you are rude, you are fearful, you are an adulteress, you are a victim, you are an abuser. You are an alcoholic. See, none of those things have truth because we may behave like that, but we are a created child of God. And our enemy wants to imprison us and say, you will stay right there for the rest of your life. Over many years of being in ministry, I have sat across the coffee table from too many people who don't believe that God wants them or can help them to move forward because that mostly they've tried on their own and they just give out. This story, as we looked in this story, this is a story about fighting. It's a story about an enemy who wants to get you stuck and make you feel like there is no way that you're going to get out of this prison or this tomb. Watch this. In Matthew 27, at the time of the resurrection, the, the leader of the soldier says, hey, go make the tomb as secure as you know how. I want you to lock that door, go to the ocean, and throw the key away so there's no way out. I want you to go and make this secure. So they went, they made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting a guard. You see, when we read the story of Joseph, here's what the story of Joseph is not. The story of Joseph is not the story of an amazing escape artist. The story of Joseph is not this 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 almost spy novel that we look at like, wow, this guy was ingenious. He dug every day six inches into the foundation until he hit dirt. And then when he hit dirt, he started digging and had this amazing tunnel out of the prison. Wow, what a great guy Joseph is. What an amazing escape artist. It is not the story of escape artists and neither is your story. Your story is not one that if you just keep digging and digging and digging and digging and digging and digging. Here's the whole key to our conversation. Joseph is in this tomb, or this, this jail, underground, circular, dark, feels stuck. Year after year after year after year. How in the world did he get out? Watch this. Psalm 105 gives us the commentary of what was happening. The king sent and released him. How did Joseph get out of prison? The king sent and released him. 
the rulers of peoples, the ruler of peoples set him free. You see, the key that seems so simple to roll off my, my, my lips, but the key of unbeing stuck is that the king has to send and release you from the thing that you're stuck. If you're in fear, go read a hundred books in Barnes and Noble. It might help you a little bit, but it won't release you. You can go to, uh, as, as people do, go to counseling. Go to counseling. I'm a pro-go counselor to talk things out, but the counselor does not watch, have the supernatural power to release you from the, whatever it is, the reason you're going. There's sometimes our identity is embedded in us, and we think this is the way it is. There may be people right here in the room, maybe watching online, that you think that your marriage will never, ever get better. It's been like this for X number of months or X number of years. And, and do you need counseling? Probably so. It's helpful. But when you do counseling or you read books or you do whatever, you watch TV shows or listen to podcasts, do all of it, but recognize it's only when the king sends and releases you that you have any hope in that relationship. Amen. It seems so simple, right? Okay, I'll well, see you next week then. Just go and do it. <laughs> so let's look at the king. Because... I don't know about you, but when I go anywhere, it doesn't matter where I go. If I'm going to go watch a movie, I'm going to watch the trailer. If I'm going to go to a restaurant, I get online, I look at the menu. If I'm going to go to a doctor, I'm looking at his or her credentials. I want to know, did this guy get a Walmart, you know, a degree from Walmart or make it up or print it or, you know, I want to know the credentials. So let's look at the credentials of the king. And I know when we study these stories, you think, well, this is just the Bible. May I say to you, maybe you don't know this, that people of other faiths recognize the miracles of Jesus. I don't know if you knew that. Other people of other faiths, what I'm saying to us is that they're so credible because they are so undeniable because they were done so publicly, so consistently, so many times, that you would just have to be a contrarian, a denier, to, to deny the actual historical occurrences of Christ's miracles. Because if you're going to have, if you're going to go to the doctor for power, you better make sure that doctor has the right cr credentials. Just let's, let's look at a few. Matthew chapter 8, verse 26 the disciples were on the, in a boat on the storm. Jesus got up. He rebuked creation. Just want to pause there. He rebuked creation. And he, he, his credentials just went way up. His resume just went way up to the top of the list. I have the power over the wind, the waves. The sun, read the Old Testament. He can turn the sundial back. The wind, air, all of it. Jesus got up, rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was automatically completely calm. The men were amazed and like, wow, who is this guy? What, 
What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the wave. And all of a sudden, because they saw it publicly, like, wow, we're going to go to him. We're going to go to this guy. Matthew chapter 9. This, uh, someone came to him. They were brought to him, this man that couldn't walk. And Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Well, that's easy. I can say that. I can say to every single one, your sins are forgiven. I can go in the grocery store. You know, one time I used to be, you know, I was at one time a musician. I was dressed in all black. When you're in the orchestra, you're all black. And some lady thought I was a priest. And uh, she goes, are you a priest? I'm like, this could be really interesting. (laughs) You know, like a confession booth right there in the produce aisle in the grocery store. I was tempted to say yes, but I'm like, nah, I'm a, I'm a musician. And, but I could have said, I could have listened to her and I said, your sins are forgiven. So Jesus could have walked around and just said, your sins are forgiven. But like, hey, who, do you really have the credentials to forgive sin? So he says, well, which is, which is easier than your, to say your sins are forgiven or to say to this guy who hadn't walked for many, many years to get up and walk? Well, the answer is, well, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven than say that because now you have to prove your power. And But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, get up, take your mat, go. And the man got up and went home. And when the crowd saw this, like, I'm going to go to that guy. They were filled with awe. When we look at the power of the resurrection, I want you to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. I understand that as we sang today, death for all of us is an unknown frontier. We haven't been there. We haven't been there. We have hope. And the resurrection gives us that hope that he broke the power of death. But I will say to you that in addition to all the incredible benefits of the resurrection, one of the things that goes up to the top of the list is the affirmation of the power of God. The affirmation of the power of God. Okay, wow, you can calm the waves, you can calm the seas, you can make the blind see, you can make the the paralytic walk, you can make the deaf hear, you can do all these things, but death? Oh, that's a different story. No, it wasn't for Christ. Christ proved that he had the ultimate power. Watch this. 1 Corinthians 6, 14 is the key. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead. It is such a profound (laughs) statement. By his power, God the Father raised Jesus, the Lord, from the dead. He did not dig himself out of the tomb. Or like some logics would like to say, that someone took the body and put it in another location. That's silly. I was going to say stupid, but stupid would be maybe offensive. So I won't say it. (laughs) By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will also raise us. You know, I think that the key here is that we can't get out of prison by ourselves. And, and that feeling sometimes, we feel like we can. It's almost the culture conditions us to get out by ourselves. I'll never forget, I was 
uh, going. This happened a few years back, and I, I shared a few years back. But I, I was on 41, and I was trying to. I was. I saw this little shop. When my wife Carrie was in the car, and uh, and I saw this little shop that sold like sportswear and swimwear and stuff like that. And I and I stepped into the. And I'm like, hey, I, I've been looking for a, a swim shirt. I don't like to you know, take my shirt off and swim in a swimming pond. That's weird. But I like to wear a swim shirt, something that's got sun protection because I hate to put all that stuff on. Right? So I go in and I'm like, hey, can't, just wait here in the car. I'm just going to pop in and just see uh, you know, what they got. So I got in there. I'm like, this, this is the perfect shirt I've been looking for. So they had those you know, like uh, dressing rooms that stop, you know, the door stops here. I don't understand those. <laughs> I mean, just a little privacy, you know what I mean? But, you know, you can, anyway, yeah, I won't, anyway, you get it. But, so I put the shirt on. I should have looked at the, you know, the types of fabric before I put the shirt on. Because once I put it on, I recognized that it was mainly spandex. And I got it about halfway down and was trying to... Get it over the hump. <laughs> Let's just say I didn't look like a fashionita or a fashionista or whatever you call it. <laughs> it was just awful. I mean, the problem was getting it off. And I just remember, you know, with my knees down showing that it became rather rough in the little, you know, changing room. Like, I'm trying to push it off. <laughs> I'm running into the wall. My glasses are off. And, you know, and I'm like, <sighs> I'm like, I'm going to have to call my wife <laughs> to come in and get it off. Finally, I wrestled it off after, I mean, it was a long time. I'm not kidding. And I came back to the car. I, this is not a joke. I was just covered with sweat. <laughs> and Carrie said, everything okay? You were in there all the time? Oh, yeah, that's fine. It's okay. You know, I'm a man. Come on. All right. Yeah, it's good, good. All good. Do you have anything? Nope, nothing. No, let's go. We'll just, we'll just go to Walmart. That's cool. That feeling of us is like, I just want to get it off. I hate this habit. I hate this fear. I said, a good friend got the wrong report from the doctor this week. Completely flooded with fear. And even though we say, I'm trusting God, I'm trusting God, I'm trusting God, sometimes internally, that fear is there. We need somebody to help us get it off. Some of you may be facing that heavy thing right now. And you need a king with credentials. That's what you need. You need a king with credentials. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17 would be the prayer. Paul writes these Words I keep asking, he's praying for this church in this city called Ephesus. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you might know him better. 
But I also pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order to know, there's a list of things in verse 19, his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power that raised Christ from the dead. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he took him from the grave. So those two things together, he said, I pray you'll know the doctor and know his credentials and do not underestimate his power. When we look at the way Jesus moved, he did it publicly. He sometimes did it privately. But he did it publicly because he wants to always point to the doctor and not to us, to the king and not us. If we dig ourselves out of our own holes, guess who's going to take the credit? We are. Well, I did this and this. I stopped doing this and this. I've done blah, blah, blah. And I've done this and this and this. Look how great I am. But God's like, no, it is not your power. To be honest with you, you want to break it down to basics. You can't even breathe on your own, bro. I mean, he might throw a bro in there. And sometimes the culture tries to shut us up. Remember the, 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 uh, the guy that was healed from blindness? And, uh, and the people who were, you know, they, and he, like begging. And as he begged, many people, many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, I need a king, son of David. Have mercy on me. I will not be discouraged. When life says it's impossible, there's a round circle and circle. There's a prison encircling you. This thing that you hate is like spandex on your soul. And you can't get it off. And God says, I want the credit for getting it off because you can't. I want everybody to know that. Romans chapter 6, verse 4, there it is again. Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Would you repeat that with me? We too may live a new life. Let's say it like we really believe it. That we too may live a new life. That is the power, the unique power of Christ, because he was the only one that broke the darkness and the imprisonment of death. Some people believe in reincarnation so that we might just come back and live it all over again. Maybe get a little better shot the next time, but maybe not. And just keep living in the same behavioral and life cycles all over again. See, Jesus is not a life cycle guy. Jesus is a life-giving guy. And there's a big difference. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, Jesus said, because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to release from the prisons the oppressed. Now here's your part. Because I always think when I'm talking to someone, there's God's part, there's my part to help, but then there's your part. You know, many I've played in bands for many, many years. And uh, sometimes you'll come up and you're all geared up and you're ready to go. And uh, you say, hey, can you cut my channel on? And, like, and the sound guy's like, I got your channel on. 
I'm like, well, everything, oh, never mind. I'm not plugged in. It's not the sound guy. It's not the sound system. Just didn't plug in the keyboard. Our job is to simply plug in to Christ. And again, that seems so simple, but we must plug into the power. We must go to the right doctor. We must go to the one that has the power, the credentials, who has proven power, not just power, proven power, and go to him. Exodus chapter 14, you remember Moses is standing at the the Red Sea. God says, raise your staff, stretch out your hand uh, over the sea to divide the water so the Israelites can go through on dry ground. The Egyptians then will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh and his chariots. See, there's a reason why God does it for us because he is God and we are not and people around us need to know God and they won't know God if we're taking all the credit. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, for we, though we live in a world, we do not wage war. We don't fight the fight as the world does. The good fight that we fight not to stay in the same place or weapons that we fight are not with the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Be careful. Be careful. There are those in the scripture and those that uh, that e- even in our own culture that seek the signs more than they do seek the king. They seek the power more than they do. See, see we're not seeking power. We're seeking the king. We're not seeking, seeking the scintillating miracles because Jesus, he say, look, guys, you're just, you're following because of the show. And he, he didn't say, drop your nets and follow the show. He said, drop your nets and follow me. It is everything in the Bible is all about being drawn to God and not just what God can do for us. So God, I'm going to seek you. I'm going to seek the king. I'm going to seek my savior. I'm going to seek the Lord because it is the Lord that not only gives us strength through the battles, but the Lord that empowers us through the battles. So our job is to say, let's let's seek God. What is it that you're struggling with? God, I am coming to you. I'm plugging into your authority, into your power. And then I want your power to flow through me that you will get all the credit. You, we have to keep it straight. We have to keep that straight. If we don't keep that straight, we've, we, we, we lose everything. It, it is, it, it. So I'm thinking about the blind guy. And I want to I close with this little exercise. And, I, and, and maybe perhaps there are people listening today that, that are blind. And it's hard for us to know for those of us that can see that in, that entire dynamic and that entire experience. And so I want you to shut your eyes for a second with me. And, and I just want you to imagine if this is what you were born with, when all the other kids were playing you could, you could hear them. People describe to you how beautiful things are, right, the way they look. 
and you've never seen them. And it just seems impossible. And then Jesus comes and he says, open your eyes. I want you to open your eyes right now. And he says, do you believe I'm able to do this? That's the key. Do you believe that I am able to do this? It's interesting, uh, in the circus, when they have these elephants, and they put a little chain around the elephant's leg, and they chain it to this post. And it's been trained since a baby elephant just to keep walking in the same place over and over and over. The elephant gets bigger and actually has the strength to break that chain with just a little kick of the leg. But that elephant has been conditioned over time that that chain is more powerful than the strength that he has been given. Isn't that crazy? Just keeps walking around, walking around, walking around. And we look at the change that seems so daunting. And Christ says, I have the power. Just don't stay in the same place. I want you to move. Let me pray with you. Thank you, Father, for this word today about your power, God. It is not about power. It is about your power. It is about you, ultimately. And I know in a crowd uh, of hundreds, both online and here in, in this location, I know that every single human being has a place that, that the enemy wants just to keep them stuck. I am a fill in the blank. I do fill in the blank. This little chain that keeps us posted and just we keep encircling and circling and circling. So Father, today we thank you for the same God who raised Christ Jesus from the grave. We thank you that you are the same Lord over the wind and the waves. We thank you, God, that you are the same uh, 2,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago, 6,000 years ago. We thank you, God, that you have never changed. Our ultimate journey here, God, is to know you, to become like you, to act like you, and to share you. And that simply means we're just going to need to get out of the way. So I pray even in this moment, God, for prayers to be going up from this place, from people's living rooms and cars and workplaces. Oh God, I come to you alone. Maybe that's your prayer. What is that thing that's spandex to your soul? Oh God, I'm asking for the King to come and release me. What is that thing that you're, maybe it's your marriage. We're stuck. We're stuck. And the little chain around the post 
has convinced you you'll always be that way. Christ comes and breaks the chain. Christ can save your marriage. Christ can free you from the arguments. Christ can heal. Christ has the power over the darkness. Christ has the power over everything that's fighting against you and fighting against him. There is no limit, but it is Christ and Christ alone. In this moment, won't you point your desperation toward him? Don't give up. It's a good fight. God has never intended for you to stay in the same place. God, we come to you alone. Send the king. Send the king, God. Finally, we pray, God, for those who are looking for you, trying to figure it out, trying to find their way, desperately wanting to lay their head on their pillow tonight and know that all is okay with their creator. Because of this, we're so grateful that when Jesus spoke the words that we read earlier, that dogs have encircled me, that he was on the cross to save the world, to do what we couldn't do, entombed, imprisoned to our own sin. But he came, God, the king came to release us on the cross, to die for our sin, to mysteriously absorb the sins of the world if we would just come and say, God, I'm going to put my faith in Christ alone. I wonder, as we're in prayer, if that speaks so deeply to you, more tangibly than you've ever sensed in your life. And let me tell you why that is. It's a revelation. God is revealing himself to you, and he's revealing your need for him. Maybe today you've come to a church or you've tuned into a church service because you thought by doing that you'll be okay with God. Unfortunately, that's not true. Maybe you started reading your Bible and by starting to do better and reading your Bible, think I'm okay with God right now. That's not, that's not completely true. See, the complete truth is no matter how spiritually we become more religious we become more we change our behaviors we're still imperfect no matter how much we try so when we stand before a perfect god there's a deep predicament christ came to make you right before god he who knew no sin became sin for us on a cross that we might become the righteousness of god Do you want to be right with God? I know I do. And if you want to be right with God, all of our human effort won't get you there. It is putting your deep dependence and your faith in Christ alone. It's turning your life 180 degrees from where it's heading right now, you in the driver's seat and say, God, I don't want to drive anymore. And I acknowledge to you, God, that I am a sinner because until you do that, you'll not need a savior in your mind. So I, God, I'm a sinner. I'm imperfect and I come to depend on Christ. Would that be your prayer, your own language? 
your heart language. Send the king, God. Send the king. I want to be released. Send the king. I trust in Christ alone. Make it your prayer. Make it true. Make it authentic. I trust in Christ alone. I turn toward you, God. I turn away from the life I'm driving. I turn to you 100%. Ignite a new life in me. Ignite a new life in me. Thank you so much, Father, for the God of power today. Thank you that the King is coming and the King is coming again. For that, God, you give us great hope today. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us. And special thanks for those of you who give generously to make this ministry possible. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can also subscribe or share it with your friends. For more information about 360 Church, visit us at the360church.com.